in-house powerhouse. <laughs> Woo, are we going well, guys? Good. Are we happy to be in the house of God? Are we awake? Do we need more coffee or do we need the Holy Spirit to come and minister to us? Amen. Because God's going to come and speak to us this morning, isn't he? So tell me, who loves a good story? Come on, we love stories, don't we? Think about sitting down with your favorite novel, your favorite book, or settling in for your favorite movie when the storyline is introduced and the characters come on the scene. Then the story reaches its epic climax and then comes to an all too predictable end. <laughs> or is that just if you're into romantic comedies? <laughs> but we love stories, right? Stories are powerful. Stories inspire us. Stories teach us. Stories connect with us emotionally on a deep level. Stories motivate us to change. And we each have a story, don't we? Every single one of us has a story. Who we are, where we've come from, what we do. Human beings are story-shaped and story-formed creatures. And our story defines who we are and how we express ourselves in the world, how we act. We are developed within a story. Did you know that when you were born, you were born into a story, your family of origin, a story that began before you arrived on the scene? And you know, maybe you were the climax of that story. Maybe you were the surprising twist. <laughs> We've got one of them in our story. Or maybe you were the happy ending. But we were all born into a story. We're raised in stories, aren't we? The history of our family, the larger culture that tells us how we should act and how we should behave within society. These are stories that shape us. And we have the stories that we tell ourselves, right? Over and over, in many cases, and over again. The stories that we tell ourselves that shape what we believe about ourselves and how we act in this world, what we believe about others. Am I too loud? Am I okay? I'm good, because I know I can get loud. I know it can get scary, so let me know. <laughs> we all have stories, and we form our understanding of the world. We form our worldview from our stories by the central narratives that runs through our lives. And what, what happens is we make heart and soul connections to these stories. We become connected to the stories that frame our life. Think about it. When you're getting to know somebody, what you're kind of asking, so what's your story? Who are you? What's your story? To which someone might say, well, once upon a time, or in the beginning, or well, it all began when, and from there, they tell the story. And we enter into that person's story, and we begin to form relationships. We begin to connect. We can empathize. And we learn about that person through their story. And the thing is, there are so many stories clamoring for our attention, aren't they? So many stories. But the problem is, these stories, the ones we've allowed to shape and form our beliefs about who we are, why we're in this world, how we are to be in this world, the ones through which we have based an understanding of ourselves, 
can sometimes be false stories, can sometimes be faulty stories, right? Can sometimes not be 100% accurate. And when the story that you've learned about yourself or the story that you've told yourself and maybe are still telling yourself, when that's a faulty story, it can actually put us in bondage. It can actually render us stuck and stagnant in life. It can cause a negative impact to our behavior in this world, how we show up, how we express ourselves. It can actually be quite damaging. And these stories may read like this. I'm not good enough because. I'm not as good as that person because. I could never do that because. I'm always going to be damaged because. This is just the way my life has to be because. These are the stories, the faulty stories that can begin to frame our life. Bren Brown in a book, Rising Strong, says this. We all have stories. We all have stories that we are telling ourselves. And until we get honest and own them, they will continue to define us. They will continue to define us. And when we let false stories define us, it prevents us from living into another story. It prevents us from living into another story, a better story, a truer story, a story that leads to life, healing, freedom, and joy. You see, you and I may have allowed faulty stories to define us, but I'm here with good news this morning. I'm here with good news this morning. The title of my message is, There's Another Story. There's another story. That is good news. There is another story. You see, our stories, our stories, that's not all there is. That's not all that's out there. There's a better story. There's a truer story. There is another story. And this is a macro story that just overstretches and is, is the backdrop, encompasses all our little stories. It's a story that began in eternity's past and stretches to eternity's future. It's a story that reached its epic climax around 2,000 years ago with a birth, a death, and a resurrection. It's a story that's still developing and one we know will reach its conclusion. And this story starts with, in the beginning, God. Come on. In the beginning, God. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In the beginning, God. We are hardwired for stories. We are hardwired to receive and share and respond to stories because stories are God's idea. God is revealing himself to us through a story. God is telling the world a story. And in this story, we learn how creation came into being. We learn things were created. We learn about a creator, God, who breathed the breath of life into you. And he said that you were very good. You were very good. You are not some cosmic mistake. You are very good. 
We learn why we were created. Why are we here? To love and be loved. To live in relationship with God and each other. We learn about fall and, this, and sin, don't we? We learn about why the world is the way it is. Why we experience brokenness and suffering and hurt and despair in this world. But we learn about a God that so loved his creation. So loved what he created that he began a process of restoration. He began a process of restoration and we learn he chose a people called Israel who were to be called out and be his people. And we learn that within um, that people within Israel, he raised prophets and priests and leaders and kings to continually call them back to himself as they continually failed to do so. And so the climax of the story, the only way that God could bring true restoration, the only way he could bring true restoration to all things was to send his son, Jesus Christ, into a broken world, into a broken humanity. God himself in the flesh came into the world to live amongst us and teach us through stories, through his parables to guide us, to reveal to us the kingdom of God through his stories. To die for us and be raised to life again for us. So beginning the narrative of forgiveness and salvation. And we learn that there's a grand conclusion to this story, don't we? There's a grand conclusion. In Revelations 21, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away, oh, don't we love this bit? He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things have passed away. Can we say amen? Amen. He's just that good. There's another story, guys. There's another story, a better story, a truer story. A story that leads to life, healing, freedom, and joy. And it's through this better story, it's through this truer story that we learn who we really are. We learn who we really are. We learn the value of our lives and other people's lives as image bearers of God. We learn the true purpose of our lives, to be in relationship with God, to be in relationship with other people in love and bringing about the will of God on this earth, working together to do that. And the wonderful thing is, the wonderful thing is that God draws and invites every person into his story. Every person into his story. He wants every one of us to find our place, our position, and our purpose in his story. He extends the invitation. He extends his hand through his son, Jesus Christ. And he wants, he desires that we each be brought in and that we allow our story to become his. Because you see, it's his story 
that he wants to shape within you. It's his story that he wants to form within you. Not the faulty story. It's his story that he wants he wants our beliefs and our understanding of the world and who we are and how we act and what we do and, and how we express ourselves, how we show up. He wants his story to define that and motivate that and lead that. You know, the Bible says when we accept the invitation into God's story, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are what? We're born again. We're born into another story. Come on, we're born into another story. But the question is, the question is, are we ready to pick up this story and fully run with it? Are we ready to fully enter into this story? Are we ready to do the work of disconnecting our soul and heart ties from our faulty stories and connecting them to the better story of truth and life? Because this is where it gets difficult. Ah, the surprising twist. (laughs) This is where it gets difficult, guys. These connections that we've made to our old stories, they can be so strong, aren't they? They can be so strong. We are so well-versed in them. We are so grounded in them. They are just so real to us. They are the reality of which we live from. We are so shaped by them that it's difficult for us to break free. It's difficult for us to break free. They become like fortresses in our hearts and in our, and in our souls, preventing us from fully stepping in to God's story, from fully grabbing all that there is in God's story. And the devil does a good job at reinforcing these fortresses, doesn't he? He does a good job at reinforcing these fortresses if we let him. And there's a word for it. There's a word for it in the Bible, and they call strongholds. Strongholds, old, difficult, discouraging, faulty, inaccurate stories, and the subsequent belief and thought patterns that is shaped within us. And the Apostle Paul, he introduces this concept for us, and he begins to shed some light around it in 2 Corinthians. And he says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. I love the way (coughs) that the Message Bible puts it. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies. What are warped philosophies? They're faulty beliefs, right? They're faulty beliefs, they're faulty viewpoints, faulty world views that we believe in. Warped philosophies for tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God. If your story that you believe is not in line with the word of God, then it needs to come down. It needs to come down, amen? Fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by what? Shaped by Christ. A life shaped by Christ. We need to disconnect from these strongholds? And what are the tools that help us break free? What are the tools that help us break free from a, a, a living a limited life to living a life-giving life? There's a lot of lives in there. <laughs> but you know what I mean. What are the tools that we use? Ephesians 6 lays it out for us. The helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the belt of truth, the gospel of peace, the shields of faith, all the things 
that we read about and find in God's story. Amen? There's another story. There's another story. A better story. A truer story. Let me tell you a little bit of my story, for those of you that don't know. From birth, my story read pretty well from the world script anyway. Born into a loving family. My parents had secure jobs. We were financially secure. My dad had his own business. It was doing well. We had the nice house, the nice car, private schools, the family holidays. Reading well from the world standards. Up until my early teenage years, when my dad's social drinking really began to be a problem. And the, the storyline, the narrative of my life began to change. And it read like this. He didn't stop drinking. We couldn't stop him drinking. The drinking got worse. He was drinking in the morning till he went to sleep again at night until the drinking finally overtook him. And this led to strife, disharmony, unemployment, divorce, relocation, broken family, addiction, and eventually death. When I was 18, I received the news that my dad had died. He'd been found by his partner at that time on the living room floor with a whiskey bottle in his hand. Now, that's a sad story, but this story began to form faulty views and faulty beliefs within me. I believed that because one of the most important people in my life could let me down so badly that perhaps who I was in this world was unlovable. Perhaps who I was in this world was someone to be rejected, dispensable, not worthy of love. And this story began the false teaching in me that in this world, I need to put up barriers around my heart, around my soul to keep people out because people I'd learned wasn't safe. People were not safe. It began to be shaped by a lie, by a lie that said, I can only rely on myself. Only depend on yourself. Don't trust anyone. Don't fully let anybody in. Don't depend on anybody. People are not safe. People cannot be relied upon. People are not to be trusted. They will hurt you. And this is how my story began to shape my worldview of who I was, who I was in this world, how I acted towards other people. But that is until my story collided with God's story. Come on. That is until my story collided with God's story, until my small story came into the massive story of God's bigger, truer story. The story, come on, that told me I was loved. I was loved. I've always been loved. The breath of life has been breathed into me. I've never been rejected by my Father in heaven. Come on, let's give him, let's give him a round of applause. Come on. The story that told me, yes, humanity is broken. Yes, it's broken. But God will bring completeness. God will bring completeness. The story that told me there was someone that was safe. Oh, there's someone that was safe. There was someone I could place my whole life in his hands and know that it would be protected. 
But you see, when, when, I, when I accepted the invitation to step into God's story, when I took his hand, when he began to draw me in, these strongholds in my mind, they began to be a problem. <laughs> they began to be a real problem because they were stopping me from fully entering in, which was his desire. Here's the thing, and here's probably something that a lot of us have learned already, that when we enter into God's story, it doesn't allow us to be the same. It doesn't allow us to stay the same. It calls us to change. Jesus Christ calls us to change. The power of this story of grace and love and redemption is supposed to transform us. It's supposed to transform us. This developing divine story is supposed to develop our human story. God is so good. You see, it became evident to me very quickly <laughs> after meeting Jesus Christ that he wanted them walls down. <laughs> he was asking me to bring them walls down because it, was wa- it wasn't only keeping people out, it was keeping the love of Jesus Christ out. Huh? It was keeping the healing out that he wanted to bring me in the completeness. It became evident pretty quickly that he didn't want me to only depend on myself because that was going to break me. I would have no peace, going to leave me miserable. He wanted to be the true source of my life. He wants to be the true source and substance of your life. Whew, get that up. <laughs> it became evident pretty quickly that he wanted me to let people in, to love people, to trust people again, that people can be saved. Because, you know, as I was keeping other people out, I was living a limited life. My life was miserable. I wouldn't let people in. I just wanted to be on my own. And it was limiting. He was asking me, what he was really asking me to do, and what it requires of us to do, is to disconnect our soul and heart ties from the faulty stories and connect ourselves to the higher truth. Connect ourselves to the truer story. To make his story the central narrative in our lives. And the quicker we can do this, guys, it's what I've learned, the quicker we can do this, the quicker his story becomes our reality, the quicker you're going to see the transformation, the quicker we begin to see the transformation in our lives. Ephesians 4 says this, you were taught with regards to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your mind, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. There's another story. You've been born again. You're a new creation. You've been born again. There's another story. There's another story. And the question is, what story are you going to allow to shape your life? What story are you going to allow to shape your life? What story are you going to orientate your life in and your life's mission? I'm going to take you to another story really quickly, if that's okay. Are we doing well? Are we okay? Good. I'll take you to a story of King Josiah. Who knows the story of King Josiah? The ancient King Josiah of Judah. You see, times were troubled when King Josiah came to the throne. They were very troubled. The faithless leadership of the people who had gone before him, his grandfather Manasseh and his father Amon, they turned away from the living God and they'd led Israel into um, to worship idols, into idolatry. The holy temple that Solomon 
uh, constructed and cared for and built so beautifully had been neglected. It wasn't used to worship Yahweh anymore. It wasn't used to worship the living God anymore. It was used to worship Baal. It was used to worship idols. It was used for child sacrifice. Things were bad. Things were so bad. The word of God that had been handed down from generations, that had got lost. That had got lost, the story of God. It wasn't handed down through the generations anymore as God had instructed it to be. The people were living desperate, uncertain, chaotic lives. But God had not forgotten his people. God had not forgotten his people. You see, God began to stir in the young king's heart. Josiah was eight when he took the throne. He was around 18 the time this happened. And God began to stir in his heart. And King Josiah began turning to the Lord. He began turning and seeking God. And we read in Chronicles 34 that in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek God, the God of his father, David. God was drawing him in. God was drawing him in, whispering, Josiah, this isn't all there is. Josiah, this desperation, this uncertainty, this chaos, Josiah, it's not all there is. Josiah, there's another story. There's another story. Josiah, in his attempts to seek God, ordered for the restoration of the temple. And we read him in verse 8, he sent Shathan, son of Aziliah, and Masiah, the ruler of the city, with Joah, son of Joaz, the recorder. There's a lot of names in that one. The recorder to repair the temple of the Lord his God. And he put the high priest, Hilikiah, the high priest Hilikiah, he put as the overseer. And in the midst of the renovations, in the midst of the tools banging and the dust flying, the high priest makes a discovery. And we read in verse 15, Hilikiah said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. And he gave it to Shaphan. I have, wait, what did he find? Whoa, 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 back up. What did he find? He found the book of the law. He found God's lost story, the story of God, the story where God calls Israel, the story where of Mount Sinai, of the covenant, of how Israel was supposed to be the people of God and was supposed to bring God to the nations. He found the story. He found the lost story. Shaphan took the book to the king and read it aloud to him. And we read in verse 19, when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his robes in despair. He had a revelation of God's story, the biggest story, the truest story. And his response was one of grief and repentance because he recognized immediately the unfaithfulness of Israel. He recognized how far short of the story he'd been living. Oh, I've been living like this when I could have been living like that the whole time. another story. He had to make the disconnect. He had to make the disconnect. He had to make the disconnect. He had to break the stronghold. He had to break the stronghold. And this swift disconnection with King Josiah brought swift transformation 
swift transformation. We read, the king called, the, after hearing the words, the king called all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, and he gathered them to the temple. And he, in verse 30, he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by his pillow and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, statutes, and decrees with what? With all his heart and with all his soul. And to obey the words of the covenant written in this book. He found the story. You can come up, team, thank you. He found the story. There's another story. Wait, there's another story. You know, your life might read a little bit like Josiah's did at the beginning. Might be chaotic, might be desperate, might look like there's no hope, but wait, wait, God's whispering. There's another story. There's another story. Josiah went on to put reforms in place for all of Israel. He was an amazing king and he turned the people back to God. He demolished idol worship. He demolished the temples. He got rid of the priests. He instituted Passover again for the remembrance of God. And he made the temple the central worship of Yahweh once again. The discovery of the lost story and the connection to its truth had changed the lives of God's people. Change the lives of God's people. There's another story, guys. One of love. One of love. One of forgiveness. One that places so much value on your life. So much value and purpose. One of freedom. One of freedom. Redemption and hope that God is inviting you into. God is inviting you into. Oh, as your, as your heart and soul connected to the story, yet yeah, really connected to the story. Have you said yes to the invitation yet? Have you said yes? And why is this so important for us as Christians, as the church? Why is it so important for us to be grounded in this story? Because part of our purpose is to go forth and be storytellers. Go forth and be storytellers to bring this wonderful story of love and hope and rejection into people who are lost in their own story of desperation. We're to bring this story. Which go and be storytellers. Which says, I know, I know it looks like there's no hope. I know it looks desperate. I know it looks chaotic. But wait, let me tell you about another story. We're meant to be storytellers. Can you imagine the church? Can you imagine the ecclesia, the ones called out into his story? Can you imagine this ecclesia? Us here, gathered together. Can you imagine this church so full of this revelation of his story, so connected, so complete in it? And our main mission in life is to go forth and tell God's story in a world full of broken stories. What a glorious ecclesia that would be. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And, and if you haven't yet even said yes to the story, God is drawing you. 
You've not heard this message by accident. He's drawing you. He's inviting you. His desire is that you say yes and you enter his story. And if that's you in this room this morning or if that's you online, then please repeat this prayer after me. And church, if we could all pray together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the bigger story. Thank you that you sent your son, Jesus. I believe he died and he rose to life again. And thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Today I choose to follow you. I choose to enter your story. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we stand, church? Why don't we stand? If you've prayed that prayer for the first time, please come and